Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with me, Emma Neal. I hope you're all doing well. This week's podcast episode, I thought I would finally talk about gender norms. Now, I've been talking about doing this episode for a good few weeks now since I finished reading that book that I have probably mentioned a few times now. It's called Girls Will Be Girls by Emma O'Toole. So it's basically about kind of gender norms and gender roles in our society, but it's kind of told in a very almost like autobiographical way. You know, she's telling like stories throughout her life and her childhood and her adulthood of different experiences and things and then kind of breaking down the gender norms and the different issues behind the stories, if that makes sense. It's a really good read. I would highly recommend it. And it really opened my eyes to a lot of things and has made me question a lot of things and just made me start to think, I guess, in a little bit of a different way. Now, I'm not saying I'm a completely changed person or anything like that but it was definitely one of those books where you read it and it's like you just can't believe you've never been taught all this before and now that you know it all it's like you can't look at the world in the same light or something like that (laughs) not that you can't look at the world in the same light that sounds bad that sounds like in a negative way I mean I guess it is maybe a little bit in a negative way more so I think you're just a lot more aware of a lot of things I guess And when I say things, I don't just mean like things happening around you, but also you start to kind of question your own thoughts and your own beliefs and where they've come from. And, you know, if you really do enjoy this or that, or if that's just something you've been conditioned to do, like you start to really question everything. It starts to make you critique your own actions and thoughts and maybe why you think this about certain women or yourself or I don't know why you think you have to do certain things. Sometimes when books can make you think in this way, like it's such a good thing because I think we can't just sit and be complacent our whole lives because, I mean, we're not going to get anywhere, first of all. And we wouldn't be where we are today without people not sitting there being complacent, essentially. You know, like people have had to fight for the rights that we have today as women. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to own property, we wouldn't be able to vote, we wouldn't be able to have a job, have the same education that boys have access to and go to university and everything so yeah like it's so good that being able to read books and open your mind up to all these ideas and things and I'm not just talking about on this topic like this expands to absolutely everything in the world like the fact that we can educate ourselves and read books on all these things and become aware of all these things is such a blessing I mean, it's sad a lot of people do just like to turn a blind eye to a lot of issues that are going on in the world because maybe it doesn't affect them or, I don't know, just can't be bothered, I guess. But yeah, when a book makes you think like this, as I said, it's such a good thing because it's important to not be complacent. It's important to question things and not just take things for as they are a lot of the time. But then there's also the other side to it where it's like, it kind of is a bit of a mind fuck. (laughs) Like, you're almost thinking that your whole life has been a lie in a way. Not a lie, but I think it just gives you a completely new lens to look at life through. Yeah, as I said, just start to question everything, which can be a little bit, what's the word? Draining? Not draining. I don't know, just, just a huge mind fuck, essentially, like I said. So yeah, before I move on and start talking about gender roles and gender norms, I thought I would just say 100% recommend you go and read Girls Will Be Girls by Emer O'Toole. 
She is an Irish author. It is written incredibly well. I feel like a lot of girls' introductions to feminism kind of books is always Florence Givens' Women Don't Owe You Pretty, which I did read a few years ago. Don't get me wrong, it is a good book to kind of open you up to that. It's very easy to read and very visually pleasing, I guess. Like, it's very aesthetic. (laughs) It's got a lot of those kind of big quotes with like funky pages and stuff like that. And look, there is a place for those books 100%. They are like kind of a gateway book, I guess, into more proper feminist stuff, kind of, I guess. Like, I think that's a really good book for you to read when you're younger. But if you want kind of like something that's actually delving into those ideas and not just being like visually attractive, then this book is definitely for you. Okay, so let's bring it all back to the start and talk about gender roles and gender norms and talk about it and like a timeline. I feel like that's the easiest way to go about this because there's just so much surrounding this topic. Let's kind of start back to right when we are literally born as babies. The need to gender a baby and like make it so obvious what gender a baby is from day dot is so obvious from you know the pink baby grows and the blue baby grows and the trucks painted on the baby's nursery wall or the fairies and butterflies you know we straight away want to give babies like these automatic norms that they just have to like because they are born a boy or a girl and that just shows you straight away like how much we want to like conform to one or the other and you know what I actually learned is that gender is apparently a lot more of a scale than we are kind of taught I guess and apparently this has been denied for so long in medicine like just completely ignored but so you know the way how you learn in biology when you're younger that when like the sperm meets the egg you either what makes you like a boy or a girl basically is like the xx chromosome and the xx or and the xy chromosome sorry but apparently there's like this whole thing where actually loads of people have like a mixture of xx and xy so it actually makes gender a lot more of like a spectrum as opposed to like two binaries and i'm not just talking about people that are born as hermaphrodite because that's literally like i don't know how common that is but i don't think that's that common whereas Oh, by the way, if you don't know what that is, that's when you have both reproductive organs. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about there are a lot of people. Like, I think it said in the book, like, one in ten. Actually, it could be even more than that. But I think it was one in ten people are born as, like, having a mix of XX and XY chromosomes. I can't remember the name that it is. I think it's just, it's maybe mixed sex. But apparently the like parents of these people don't even get told because obviously they're just born with the genitals of of the sex that they're born of so then they just get told that that's what they are which makes sense because why would you check into it further but then also it does kind of make you think oh maybe gender should be more of like a scale as opposed to like you're either female or male but i think as a society and just as humans we love to categorize things to just make, well, not only to make things easier for ourselves, but also so we can kind of form assumptions and have more of a clear path for something, which I guess essentially is just making things easier for yourself as well, isn't it? So, I mean, that all falls under the one bracket. It's like societies want for people as well to be either gay or straight, and when people tell them that they're bisexual, 
people can't wrap their heads around it they don't understand how you could not fall into one category or the other and people assume either oh it's just a phase you'll end up marrying someone of the opposite sex or else oh you're actually just gay you're just trying to say that you're bisexual either for attention or because you think other people might take it easier people like find it really hard to accept that actually someone doesn't have to fall into the category of being gay or straight and they can't actually be somewhere in the middle Okay, so let's go back to when we were a baby. So I would say, to be fair, when you're an actual baby baby, like being held kind of baby, there probably isn't much aside from just clothing, really, that is kind of pushed on you, I guess, because you don't do anything, let's face it. (laughs) But I think the difference is then in how adults treat you and how you're supposed to act and what you're supposed to do becomes very apparent when you are more like talking and walking as a toddler. Whether it's the sports you get put into, you know, like obviously me and my sister were doing completely different sports to my brother when growing up. I mean, there was a few crossovers of things like gymnastics, but overall we were enrolled in very different sports. You know, my brother was in football, rugby, golf. Okay, not as a toddler, he wasn't playing golf. (laughs) And we were doing like ballet, dance, gymnastics. So straight away from that really young age, you're kind of taught, you know, what's a boy sport and what's a girl sport. And now I know it is important to acknowledge that obviously once you get to like a professional level with sports, there are certain ones that are more suited to males or females because of a range of different things. But let's face it, 99.9% of us aren't growing up to be professional athletes. We're doing sports for fun, so we can participate in whatever sports we want to, at a young age anyway. One of the biggest differences we see in toddlers, and it honestly is such a reflection of society from such a young age, which is so crazy how early it's being drilled into our heads, but the presents and the toys and things that we give to baby girls compared to baby boys is just insane like we have little girl toddlers practicing beauty rituals and putting on you know pretend makeup on their dolls and their little toy babies from such a young age thinking that that makes them beautiful also the more I think about giving toddlers little babies that they have to pretend to look after the more fucked up I think it is. Like, I know I shouldn't really think, well, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't think about it too much, but the more I think about it, I'm like, is that not really weird that we're telling girls they should be the ones looking after the babies and the boys can fuck off? (laughs) Like, am I reading into it too much? Because I don't think I am. I think one of the things we need to be the most careful about, though, in talking to children, now that, well, now that I'm older and... Yeah, I guess a lot of people listening to this, now that you'll be like the older one talking to a little child, you kind of need to be really careful about what you're implying when you're saying certain things. Like, it's very obvious from a young age the the different ways in which adults speak to children, depending on whether they're a boy or girl. So, for example, a lot of the time, the way which adults interact with young girls is by commenting on how beautiful they are you know how pretty their little curls are and how cute their little outfit is and their shoes and all these little things that 
are essentially completely harmless and are a nice compliment and you know individually that person is just trying to be nice I'm not saying for one second like I have done that a million and one times to boys and girls though you know but I always compliment people on their appearance we all are constantly complimenting people on their appearance because that's how we think is nice to be complimented so we do it to other people as well but what we're teaching young girls from such a young age is that that is what's important and meanwhile we're kind of doing the complete opposite to little boys I mean don't get me wrong we still compliment here and there little boys on how gorgeous they are and how big their eyes are and stuff like that but it's more in like a oh my god he's so cute I want to eat him type of way because he's a baby whereas I feel like with girls it's almost like oh my god she's stunning she's gonna be a heartbreaker you're gonna have problems with her when you grow up because she's that good looking you know things like that but with young boys I feel we are a lot more complimenting on how good they are at sports how strong they are how smart they are you know how good they are for looking after their sister when they fell all these things which are the things we should be complimenting people on you know how they are as a person how they are in the way they act and the things that they do as opposed to what they look like and as I said these comments individually really aren't a bad thing they're not for one second malicious ever from the person that is saying them and they don't get received in a bad way either But when you repeat these over and over again to people, which is exactly what happens in the world today, and it's probably exactly what happened to all of us, what you learn over time, and it doesn't take that long, you know, it only takes you until you're probably 13 years old before you recognise that a lot of your value is placed on what you look like as a girl. But yeah, on the other hand, boys are taught that they have so much more to offer than what they look like and they can get anywhere and do anything they want by working hard and by being strong or being a leader and being dedicated and all these different things whereas we're kind of taught if you want to get anywhere you need to look a certain way and fit into a certain standard we even see that on tv like we see you know old middle-aged men on tv presenting with young really really attractive females and it's always kind of implied that he got there because he worked hard but she got there by working hard and then had to be attractive on top of that because working hard wasn't enough for her or for someone else sorry I think the things we actually see on tv play into our lives and our minds and kind of like our subconscious a lot more than we probably think you know from literally when you're a child watching cartoons to when you're more grown up like now and just maybe watching the news and watching movies and anything else There is a lot of messaging in them that you can choose to turn a blind eye to but in reality it probably is affecting us a lot and the views we have and the stereotypes we put on other people. For example when we are kids and watching cartoons like can you think of any cartoon where the girl was kind of like the lead heroic role and not just like the sidekick or the one that was being saved the only one I can think of right now is Kim Possible and I fucking love Kim Possible (laughs) I used to dress like her and everything because I was obsessed with her and that just shows you how much we love to see ourselves represented in things like for me as a young girl seeing I know it sounds stupid and you're probably listening to this being like that's a bit far-fetched but it's true like as a little girl seeing 
a lead role like that as Kim Possible you think oh my god what a bad bitch I want to be Kim Possible but if you think about it men well boys obviously at the time have that their whole childhood so they kind of always have it in their head that they can be that person like not once has it crossed a little boy's mind when they're watching tv that they're just a sidekick and they're not important enough to be the main character or they're not strong enough to be the lead role or to take on the enemy and I know this all sounds trivial but it actually really does affect us and it really really affects um children of color as well not seeing themselves in cartoons and in like Disney movies and things I think there has been a bit more of a push now to have more diverse Disney films and things you know we're seeing like Moana and Encanto but it's not enough and it's only been over recent years I can't imagine what it was like for children of colour growing up in the UK or well I can only really speak for UK slash Ireland because I don't really know what TV is like elsewhere but I assume nowhere else is that great for it and at least I was seeing myself as a sidekick or as a role in the cartoons and the movies and things children of colour weren't wouldn't have been seeing themselves what at all just in any role I mean thank fuck it's taking a bit of a turn but also we have a really really long way to go where that's concerned there was actually a couple of studies done on this and so researchers I know this is a long time ago now but researchers in 1997 asked children if they noticed like gender stereotypes in cartoon characters and the answer was yes for the majority of the children surveyed And they also found that the children who noticed gender stereotypic behaviours in cartoon characters reported more traditional job expectations for themselves and for others. So like that's just a good example of how these things that, you know, we think are trivial, they're just a cartoon, but actually really do feed into the minds of kids from such a young age. While we're on the topic of research that's been done, I'll throw another two things at you here. So in 2002, researchers analysed the degree of gender stereotyping across different genres of cartoons and found that children were likely to learn that men are more aggressive and more important and women are more fearful and nurturing. What the fuck? (laughs) And in 2012, another study found that TV exposure was significantly related to children's self-esteem, sorry. So children of colour and female children's self-esteem was brought down through TV exposure when uh, like white boys' self-esteem was brought up. And to be honest, like this carries on throughout our whole lifetime. You know, you get older and you start watching, let's say, the news and all you see is male politicians. You watch movies with male superheroes. You go to school and your head teacher is a male. You have a talk about entrepreneurship from a male. You go to work and your boss is a male. And it's just like male, 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 male dominated spaces constantly. So like on one hand, you're being taught by your parents and by your teachers and just people around you that you can do whatever you want and you can be whoever you want nothing's closed off to you but then on the other hand you're getting these messages that actually these spaces don't belong to you and you should stay out of them because they're for males only it's just such mixed messages and obviously it gets to a point where you're gonna start believing what you're actually seeing in reality okay let's take it back because we were going through the ages there going through the timeline talking about the different norms pushed on us at a young age So let's move into now our like early teens 
okay girls start to have fun with using makeup and doing each other's hair all that shit I mean to be honest why is it taught that that's how we should have fun I mean obviously we did have fun doing it because that's how we learned to have fun like this is so ingrained in us that actually we do have fun doing these things you know I'm a makeup artist I love doing makeup so I'm not saying that we can't have fun doing these things because I like I love doing these things but we've been taught that that's what we have to do to have fun whereas boys are being taught to go out and play football or to go play video games and not focus on how attractive they look 24 7 but then it turns really weirdly it turns from very innocent to all of a sudden you are like monitored and almost shamed for it do you know what I mean it turns from you being like a young adolescent girl having fun with your friends putting on some makeup to all of a sudden you're being slightly policed about what you can and can't wear and where you go looking a certain way how much makeup you're wearing because all of a sudden now you're being sexualized but due to no due to nothing that you have done any differently you're doing rituals you've done your whole life you're doing things you've been like semi-encouraged to do your whole life and all of a sudden now you're getting like shamed for it because you're receiving male attention that your parents don't want you to so you're doing the exact same things but just because other people are sexualizing you you're getting trouble for it why is that our issue why do we not teach boys not to sexualize young girls men just love to sexualize anyone and anything with a fucking pulse honestly i was getting a coffee this morning i was literally wearing sweats i was wearing sweats my hair was a mess i was walking to my car and someone wolf whistled at me like grow the fuck up (laughs) in what world do you think that is well one attractive because it's gross or two do you even think it's okay and this is a recurring issue see males sexualizing females when they're not asking to be sexualized like this is the whole reason that it's such an issue when someone is sexually assaulted and people love to turn it around and say oh but did you see what she was wearing as if that warrants anything can a girl not even just wear a dress without apparently asking for it like are we actually going to penalize women for what they wear as opposed to men for their actions you get to an age where it's perceived that apparently absolutely everything you do is for male attention and you actually can't be doing anything like if you're seen to be doing anything it must be for that because there's no other reason you'd be doing it apparently which is so ridiculous like men can walk around with their tops off because it's a hot day and it's more comfortable for you to take your top off fair enough second a woman takes their top off oh tits out for the lads like what why do we have to sexualize females bodies so much and it's being done again and again to the point now that actually wealthy white men profit off of women's boobs essentially they make it such a taboo they make it it's so sexualized and then they profit off of selling them for things like magazines porn all these things that further the point that women's boobs are literally just for male pleasure this is why although OnlyFans is great because it gives people the you know autonomy to do whatever they want to do and gives them the money directly as opposed to anyone else profiting off of their body I think that that's a great thing but I don't think that it's doing anything for 
like the taboo and the shame around women's breasts because we're still placing women as like sexual objects for male pleasure. Let's talk about the beauty standard for a second because I feel like that's something that's just going more and more out of control literally by the year. I personally don't even want to know how much money I would spend a year on skincare, makeup, beauty procedures, you know, anything within that realm. It's terrifying to think of how much we actually spend on that on a yearly basis. All just to keep up with this incredibly unrealistic beauty standard. And we love to think, like we love instead of examining the issue that's actually at bay here, instead of looking at that and seeing how we can dismantle that we love to just be like oh but she's just choosing to do that like no we're in a society that pressures you to do that and you get treated a different way if you look a certain way the whole beauty industry is symptomatic of a structure that profits from teaching women to hate their bodies essentially so instead of actually looking at that we just see women choosing to go on diets choosing to pay for botox and filler and surgery or laser hair removal, whatever it may be. But would any of us actually want these things in the first place if we weren't taught to hate our bodies? If we were just taught that we were enough as we were? And if we got treated the same regardless of whether we had makeup on our skin in work or whether our hair was styled a certain way or whether our boobs were a certain size? And actually in the book Girls Will Be Girls, the writer made this like comparison a few times with the whole thing of like society loves to look at things and seeing like it being someone's choice as opposed to looking at the bigger issue. So for example, instead of looking at women leaving work after childbirth and seeing a social structure that doesn't adequately provide for the fact that 50% of humans exist in bodies that produce future humans, we just ignore that and just see women choosing to opt out of work. Or instead of taking a dive into looking at the obstacles to women's representation in positions of power, we just choose to pretend that's not an issue and see women choosing to stay out of politics. But in ignoring these structural issues, we're not actually going to get to the root of the problem. It's like when it's literally like putting a band-aid over a broken leg, do you know what I mean? It's not going to do anything. I can't believe I just said band-aid, how American of me. I meant plaster. (laughs) I want to talk for a second. This is something that is really gets me. (laughs) It hits very close to home. I'm sure it's the same for a lot of you listening because you see this day in and day out in your everyday life. And that is the role that is kind of enforced on women in the home. From such a young age, I was so aware of the fact that my mum did absolutely everything in our house. From the cooking, to the cleaning, to the lifts, to our extracurricular activities, to the ironing. Literally everything you can think of, my mum was doing it. So if I'm seeing as a young girl that that's, that my mum's doing all of that, do you think my brother's then also seeing that he doesn't have to do any of that because his dad doesn't do any of it? Of course he is. And that's exactly why when my parents would go away for the weekend, I would take on the role of doing the cleaning and the cooking while my brother would do fuck all. (laughs) This isn't a dig at my brother, by the way. Well, I mean, it kind of is a dig at all boys, to be fair. (laughs) But yeah, like on Christmas Day, 
when mum looked stressed like I would help her while every all the males sat on their horses in the living room and they don't think twice about it not once would it even cross through their brain that they should be in there helping because they've never thought of it as their job I remember it so clearly when we were kind of like a bit older in secondary school and my mum worked full time so she wouldn't be back in the house till after five and we would all get the bus home from school get home pig out and all the snacks in the cupboards we used to eat so much as kids we would literally have about three meals in that time that we'd be home from school but I remember so clearly pleading with my brother to clean up after himself because I didn't want mum to come home and be in a bad mood from work that then she has to tidy up after everyone else and I used to literally be like please just tidy up after yourself this is not mum's job to come home to and then if he wouldn't do it I would do it and in my head I was thinking I want to save like I don't want mum to come home and be in a bad mood and then take it all out on us just because of this thing that he could have just tidied up after himself like I've done but why was my brain even thinking like that in the first place whereby if he doesn't do it I'm gonna have to do it because I don't want my mum to have to do it but then when his was just like well I'm not doing it because it's not my job and it was always this constant battle of if I continue to do this I'm upholding the system of the females doing everything but then if I don't do it I know my brother's not gonna do it and I know my dad's not gonna do it so then my mum's gonna come home and doing it anyway so like should I just help her anyway do you know what I mean it was this constant battle and the men just love to pretend that they don't see these things because it benefits them so why would they object to it but then if you kick up a fuss like if I kicked up a fuss at the dinner table and I was like well why don't you clean up seeing as you've done absolutely fuck all (laughs) it would be like Emma relax like chill fuck out but all that happens by upholding these structures in the house is first of all give women more domestic work and give them well which is unpaid and means they have less time for paid work because apparently women do three times the domestic work that men do and that doesn't even include child care so yeah sorry by upholding these structures women have less time for paid work because they're doing more unpaid work men have more time to do whatever the fuck they want and they grow up to be so incompetent where any of that's concerned I'm sorry, but the amount of middle-aged men that literally can't even cook a fucking basic pasta dish. Like, are you not embarrassed? Do you know what I mean? (laughs) This all stems from women not being actually legally allowed to work. And then they were allowed into the workforce, but then had to keep on all of the domestic roles. Like, that should have changed the second. If you're entering a relationship, And both people are working a nine to five job. Do you not think both people should take equal responsibility of any of the work outside of those jobs that needs done? I just think there's such a big disconnect between what's actually like, how do I I put this into words? What you can actually physically do because of biological sex or what you can or can't do because of biological sex. And then what is just the gender roles completely made up by our society. Yet still to this day, there are so many people that love to justify things that stereotypically men or women do based on biological difference. Like, no, you're just sexist. (laughs) Apart from giving birth 
or let's just say anything that's to do with reproductive organs so like giving birth having a period you know anything that you can do as a man as well apart from anything within that category of things there's actually nothing that both sexes can't just do that you can't blame not being able to do the ironing because you're a man you're just being sexist you can't say that women can't or shouldn't be in leading roles or be managers because they're women no you're just sexist do you see where I'm going with this essentially every role that we have created as a society is a completely made up thing that just benefits the patriarchy completely it's all so put on it's all an act everything we have learned is an act and the more I think about it the more it it's a bit of a mind fuck I don't like to think about it too much (laughs) but it literally is we're like playing our gender roles in a way that advantages men and disadvantages women the sooner we can all recognize that and start to actually critique these roles and our stereotypes in our own heads and start to question you know does this actually benefit me or am I just being pressured by society to do this on a day-to-day basis and you know what this is a really hard one to confront because I know myself there are a lot of things I do that maybe I'm not saying I don't enjoy them but like no one wants to pay 200 pounds to get their hair done (laughs) every three months but I do it because in my head I feel like I look better and as a result of looking better I feel better which just shows you how much we value looking good to ourselves do you know what that's a terrible example because that's probably something I'm not gonna stop let me give you another example that's maybe a little bit better if you despise that you are currently getting up half an hour earlier than you need to to do your makeup for work and you just think you could be spending that half an hour in bed sleeping or you could be spending that half an hour reading or literally just doing anything else that isn't putting on makeup then maybe just start to question yourself as to why you're actually doing it in the first place and who it's benefiting because if it's not benefiting you and you're not enjoying it and you could be spending that time doing other things or getting more sleep like all the men in your office do then stop doing it and if men in your office treat you differently because you're not wearing makeup then they're sexist pigs was that even a better example I don't know (laughs) hopefully it was but basically I'm just starting to question absolutely everything I do now and think about who it benefits and it's a really hard one as someone who does makeup on social media because on one part I love doing makeup and I really enjoy it but then on the other part I'm like advertising it to other people and making it like the norm and then I hate myself for it but then I also love makeup and oh I don't know it's just like a constant battle in my head guys honestly you have no idea what it's like in there (laughs) I don't know I'm never gonna stop doing makeup because I absolutely love it it is like a hobby for me and you can be creative with it so I find it really fun and I just don't do it for any male validation but then I'm also very hyper aware of the fact that just by posting photos and tutorials and things using it it's like in a way saying that this is how you should look or that this is like how you can beautify yourself essentially and saying that you're not beautiful without it but that's not what I think at all I think everyone's beautiful without makeup 
I just can't preface that in absolutely every like photo or video. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, if there's anything you should take away from this podcast, it is that everything in life is made up. (laughs) No, I don't want to freak anyone out. No, you should question why you do certain things and whether they benefit you or whether they're just benefiting the meals in your life. You should question whether you're upholding certain structures, whether that's in your workplace, whether that's in your family and within your family dynamic, or maybe in your relationship with your boyfriend. Just remember that gender is literally a performance. Everything that we do as a gen- as our gender is just like we're on stage performing a role. And it's shown because when people... Like when people don't do their gender, what we perceive as being right, you know, when people aren't very feminine or very masculine, society is very quick to like judge or condemn people for that. And that in itself just shows on a level that it's like a social construct rather than a natural thing because someone's not performing it as they perceive to be right. I don't even know if I'm making any sense anymore. It's such a confusing topic and this book really blew my mind. I feel like there's still so much to talk about within this. I'm sure I will talk about it again at some point because I made a lot of notes and things and I know I haven't covered literally half of them. So yeah, maybe we'll revisit this topic another time. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. I know I've been talking about doing this one for ages, so Finally, it is here for you to listen to. If there's anything you would like me to talk about or to cover in the coming weeks, please just drop me a little message on Instagram and I will add it to the list. As always, thank you so much for all the love and support. If you get a chance, leave me a little five star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. I love you all. Bye.